you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Galactic Hollow Net, welcome to the Scum and Villainy Podcast. I'm your host, Richard White, better known as Calvin Tiberius. Joining me today is uh, Mark Fletcher, better known as Sable Griffin, ship's cabin boy. What's up, Mark? I'm quite well, thank you. And also joining us today is Blair Bunky, better known as Scruffy, the ship's janitor. Uh, Blair, what's going on, man? Not much, how you doing? Man, I thought you were uh, gone for good, I didn't think you were coming back. Man, alright, so I... I mean, I'm not going to get too much into real-life uh, problems, but a little column A, column B. Uh, column A on Thursdays, like, my work was offering a leadership program that, like, went to about 5 or 6 o'clock my time, and that plus kids kind of made me uh, not have a lot of energy. Also, plus it feels like every single time uh, I've had some kind of kid thing or I don't know, so... Not exactly great, but I'm back. Uh, apologies uh, there, but Blair, you know everybody loves the B list, and I don't know how to feel about that. Like good, good. I like you. You're amazing. So good, right? Um, anyways, so let's let's talk, guys. Uh, it's been a minute. We are in the middle of uh, store championship season, and the t- wave fourteen, the Last first expansion of X-Wing 1.0, 2.0 is out, and it's in the wild, and we're going to see it at Store Champs now. Um, i got to be honest with you, right now, uh, I have, I'm working every single Saturday through July, so I don't actually even know the how many Store Champs I'm going to get get into. Are you guys Are you guys doing Store Champs this year? Where are you, where are you at? I'm not. I've, <laughs> I've been out of 1.0 for a little while now. It's every time I hear about the state of the meta, I am disinclined mm-hmm. to get back into first edition. Mm-hmm. Blair, are you playing? Are you playing any sword champs? This might come as a shock. I'm gonna play in about as many as I possibly can. Good. I buy it. Good. Well, I mean, because you're you no, know, it's just the thing. I mean, you you know the meta and you know how to go at it, right? Also, it's mm, fun. Uh, I know how to go at it. I'm probably not going to. Uh, I'm just going to play a lot of, like, complete... Like, even for me, I'm going to play, like, straight jank. Like, mm-hmm. so that's... Yeah, I'm not really going to win. I mean, I, if, I don't really go to win to, like, any tournament, but I've, uh, I'm going to play a lot of goofy stuff and just have fun. I tell you what, like, since... Uh, so I've I've gotten a chance to play probably about six, seven games since Worlds just because I've been outrageously busy. And uh, every single time I've been flying tie swarms just to get my just to get myself into that headspace of having a lot of ships and trying to maneuver them together and to make sure like you know like to cover spacing I don't know just get myself into that uh, mindset and because uh, I think that uh, sw- like a bunch of ships is going to be good again and I want to be able to get that sort of you know headspace back. And that's generally my whole goal for Store Champs is to try and find 
you know, fun ways to fly a bunch of ships and see what happens with it. It's a good time to get that experience. I, I think that Swarm will be back, and that's not an easy skill to learn. Mm-hmm. And I've done that stuff before, but I want to get myself back yep. into that. You know, just like I, I'm, a, I'm now flying a cloud or a net of ships instead of like a couple of independent ships or something like that. Blair, I'm excited to see what janky stuff you come up with, like as sort of like a last hurrah of this is the stupid thing I did, but it's kind of funny and it works right. Um, I'm ready for that. Yeah, the other thing I'm super excited for, I said this on the last episode, it was just Kaylin and Alex and I, but mm-hmm. my hometown store, which has been around since I have since I was like 11, mm-hmm. finally got a store championship. It's the first time ever. <laughs> I could, oh, you I don't know why. I su- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you gotta do it just to, it. Like, just, to, uh, just to make sure they have another one. You're like, please. Yeah. Please. So I don't want to have to go that far. The owner's been on vacation, so I don't mm-hmm. even know what finally motivated him to put in for it. But, yeah, super excited, super excited for that. That's awesome. So, yeah. So the new wave is out, and I've been shown a couple of things that, like, guys, talk me up or down on these really quickly, just because I don't have time to think about it. <laughs> uh, Blair, uh, is, is four of those X-Wings... And AP fifteen, AP five, like good at all, or should I just shut that down? Uh, it it seems all right. I don't I don't know if it's better than five X wings, but because so so what is it exactly? Do you it's get crack? It's crack shot and flight assist on uh, okay. all the X wings, and then chopper yeah. and flight assist on AP five. Okay, that's that's not bad at all. Four crack shots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me be fair. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't come up with that. But uh, my conciliary sent that to me, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, I, I. I need someone else to tell me if that's good or not. The other one is: Do you think that you can run four tie reapers? Because it feels like a lambda, and I just want to try it. <laughs> How about five U wings? <laughs> I can't even. I can't wait. For I, I'm ready for. I'm honest to God, ready for that. Like, the problem is, is that I would have to buy five Ewings. <laughs> I don't even know How? between friends that I can know well enough to like ask them to borrow <laughs> a ship, and they feel comfortable giving me a ship. I don't know amongst like local Kansas City friends that I feel that trustworthy with. To, that I could ask for five total U-Wings. I think they'd... If you told them that's what you're flying, Ricky, I think they'd let you... <laughs> they'd let you borrow it. Just I mean, to see it's it not... It, it's not... I mean, it's not the worst. No. It's not... It, I mean, because it's a you, lot of hit Now points. do you see why I'm excited for Sword Championships? <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna go and let the trolley... I, okay, I'm... I'm bought in to. I'm in for that. I, I you, you convinced me. I'm like the like two that I'm gonna be able to go to. I'm just gonna do crazy stuff like that and see if people can deal with it. Yeah. You know, if you win, fine. Huh. <laughs> I, I would. Um, I would say I would bust out some of my old favorites, but half of them are illegal now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, I tell you what. Uh, you could still do uh, Last Winter's Night, right? Can't you? You can still do. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, that works. I'm, 
It's not great I mean, see, the yeah. moment you hit anything with reinforce, but... Yeah, but at this point, like, I'm with Blair. Like, I'm just going to, you know, see what kind of nonsense I can throw at you. Not to win. That's what 2.0 is for. Um, speaking of which, uh, we're, we're clearly mega hyped for that to come out. Yes. Uh, and, and Gen Con is coming up, right? So Gen Con is, what, two months out? Yeah, it's the beginning of August. Mm-hmm. So not even. So that's months. a month and a half, and not half. even two months, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, and and 2.0 is going to be out in there. It's yeah, 2.0 will soft release at Gen Con, and then full release in September. So only a month after Gen Con. Uh, it's well, hopefully we don't end uh, in a uh, Wave Five situation where we pre-release at uh, Gen Con and then don't release the Wave for another six months. I remember that. That was horrible. It was the worst. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... They're doing two... Um, like, mini tournaments. Three three uh, round demo tournaments uh, on Thursday. I'm signed up for the Thursday afternoon. And the really neat thing about that is that part of your ticket price includes the core set and one of the expansions, either the Tide Bands or the Y-Wing, depending upon your faction. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to rush the Fantasy Flight line to get ships to play. Uh, if you sign up for that tournament, you can make sure you get what you need. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm ready, man. I I know that these store championships matter for, you know, you know, potentially well, you have to win this and then you win another, uh, the next tournament and you have a, a spot in, in Worlds, right? And I understand that that helps, but man, I am, I'd rather it, just it win at the next at tournament. All, yeah, yeah I'd, As someone who's used three store championship buys, let me tell you, it doesn't work at all. Yeah, yeah, you just It's you always just the easiest matchup is round one. Yeah. Like it it the it the the regional buy is so useless. <laughs> like I mean to be fair, like the the only thing it does is like prevent that one in a million shot of running into somebody who like is just a really, really hard game. But even then, so you lose and you win the next one, right? Like yeah. it's it's fine. You just you just go one loss the rest of the way or, or what have you. It's not the worst thing in the world. So I, I, I'm with you. Like that's that's exactly what I keep thinking is like fine. I'll just two put I just want to continue to work on on skills that I think will will translate to that to that game because I am excited to play that one. Um, in the meantime, man, like I'm trying I'm trying to keep uh, trying to keep my my energy up, but I'm but I just don't care about ever facing old reinforce again just i'm done i'm out you know like every time i play someone who's got reinforce in my brain i'm thinking yeah i know you reinforced that and i did no damage but you and i both know i did a damage anyway so yeah it, that's good it's one of those situations where uh, 
1.0 they're they're not spending any effort fixing 1.0 at this point mm-hmm. that they, they've known but i mean some of the stuff that they've come out with like i do like all of the stuff they've come out with for the new wave like the the uh the reapers are really cool um and the or and the you know the x-wing mods are really good and Honest to God, Blair's right. You can run five U-wings, and that's kind of funny. I mean, all of this stuff is like is good. I just don't know if it if I have excitement for. It. But it is stuff that I at least want to try and check out. Uh, it's worth it to, for me to go hang out and play X-wing for a Saturday and check out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I mean, so that's the actually you brought this up, up off air. This is the funny thing about Wave fourteen, right? Because it's not Wave fourteen; it's wave, wave one question mark, right? It's wave zero. Yeah, like how does that work? Because it's all two point compatible, right? So it, it's the first two stuff you can get, but it's not a wave. Like I don't, I don't know how to explain. Like, so, so you think it's Wave zero? That's what we should call it. I, I well, so if we don't. And mm-hmm. 2.0 fulfills their dreams, and mm-hmm. they don't ever have to go to a 3.0. We will eventually mm-hmm. have two wave 14s. I feel like I feel like the the dam has been breached at this point. They're going to have a 3.0 at some See, point. See, I'm not sure about that because of how they've got 2.0 set up with the mm-hmm. uh, the variable point costs with the the indications that they're going to be much more active in addressing problematic cards if they can mm-hmm. nail that there's not going to be the need ultimately the need to go to 2.0 was the accretion of bad like all the broken stuff just started accruing and they couldn't get rid of it fast enough and they Mm -hmm. couldn't get rid of it granular enough to know that they got it all because they were releasing at best one fac a year to to address problems Uh, i don't know it's i think it's it's gotta have been faster than that i don't don't have the x-wing history stats like to back that up it's probably more than that but they they are talking about doing every quarter right they released more facts than that but most of them were just minor tweaks they didn't mm -hmm. address anything major and they they were always very light touch we don't want to we don't want to address too many things because what if we overcorrect which i think was a specious Mm -hmm. argument anyway but it meant that their their cycle was too slow to effectively deal with the accruing issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With 2.0, if they're doing it every quarter, at the very least, point costs every quarter, uh, then you're not going to have the same impetus to jump to a 3.0 that you did to a 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting to me, Ricky, is as the game went on, they actually did begin doing facts that were more hard-hitting and more frequent. Like the first, up until about Wave 8, mm-hmm. we really didn't have any major FAQs at all. And then the they only, started the hitting only stuff. Real, the only real big FAQ was half-point large base ships and then the, Wisp, the yep. Phantom yep. Decloak. Mm-hmm. Those are really mm-hmm. the only two big ones we ever had. But, and then mm-hmm. you look forward the last three years... Or last two and a half or so. I mean, we had massive 
yep. sweeping nerfs. And mm-hmm. look, this the game is still in a terrible state. So, so, so my point, I guess, is like I think that I can't believe just being in gaming is. I mean, because we, we've all been like in playing some form of either video game or board game or, you know, card game for a long time. And I can't think of something that wasn't wildly successful that didn't move on to another edition just to, like, make money eventually. Uh, It's kind of where I'm at. Like, at a minimum, even though I am excited for 2.0, they're also thinking about it in terms of we're going to sell... At just just by converting, we're going to get our hype level up, and we're going to sell a bunch of these conversion kits and just print money real quick. Um, I'm not so sure the math works out the way you think it does, because there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of players that don't come back. It's going to take a little time to rival the player base we have, even right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's a good point, but it seems like every company eventually makes a new edition, and at this point, I'm, I'm expecting that. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of where, where I'm at on it. I, I think they'll do one eventually. But to your point, like they're doing a lot of a lot of work to make that as long a uh, distance as possible. The other thing that I want to point out is the sheer amount of manpower that goes into a new edition. Yeah, it takes a lot of a work. A lot of work and a lot of development. And that's time that's going away from other projects they could be working on that is a it's a very painful proposition especially for a company as risk averse as fantasy flight i think that it was only dwindling sales and relentless bad press about the state of the meta in 1.0 that got them to be able to move. Yeah, yeah, the the negative press they were getting was just brutal for a lot of stuff. The the developers absolutely wanted to move Mm -hmm. to 2.0, but it took Mm -hmm. a while to convince the leadership of the company to go forward with that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, (sighs) that's kind of where I'm at, though, right? It's like now we're just like in a holding pattern. Mm -hmm. Just sort of twiddling our thumbs, waiting for 2.0 to come out, going, sure got to talk about some content. So. Store championships is out. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm, this is exactly where I'm at. And I know that you want to have something that you want to talk about, Mark. So, I'm in. So, how about that generic local sports team? (laughs) (laughs) Better question. All right. So, let's actually talk about this. The. $200 $200 million someone wants to like have $200 million to remake uh, The Last Jedi on a scale of 1 to 10 um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you both get this how ridiculous is that I'm gonna let you go first Mark oh what okay so I was not on the episode where this cast talked about <laughs> you missed did, out, did, man. Did, did, that was hey, that was when you were avoiding hey, 2.0 talk. Right. Mark, be honest. Did you listen to the episode? I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. The so episode That's eight I'm ready, Blair. might be my okay. favorite Star Wars of all of them, okay. including the original. Okay, okay I buy it. it. This is utterly ridiculous. This is 
a bunch of misogynistic crybabies that want everything mm -hmm. white and male and straight and uh, to fulfill their personal power fantasies instead mm -hmm. of trying to get a good story. Star Wars has always, always been about fighting against oppression and exclusion. Mm -hmm. And now those people that were raised on this, the morality of fighting exclusion are now trying to exclude others from Star Wars. That's what this is. That's all this is. So you'd say like 11 out of 10 ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I buy that. Um, Blair, how ridiculous is that? On um, like a scale of 1 to 10. Well... <laughs> it's it's never gonna get remade, so I mean, there's there's no point really. Uh, but uh, well, let me ask you this, Mark, because obviously you're a huge Star Wars fan and you've been one for a very long time. Are are you gonna have a trouble watching a movie from now on every time there's a fight scene in space saying, "Hey, why don't you just uh you know take that t uh, X-wing and just uh point it right at that uh." Command deck of that Star Destroyer and just have it enter hyperspace. Huh? Actually, Why don't you just go ahead and do that? I, I want to point out something, though, that we saw how that works in Rogue One when the transport, the CR 75, goes into hyperspace and slams and right runs into, the, into, into Vader's flagship and does nothing. So the yeah. only reason in universe that this makes sense is you have if you have to have a certain amount of mass uh, we can speculate on science ultimately there's no science to star wars uh, but no i i'm i see no internal conflict to why don't we just ram everything with x-wings because we've already seen counter examples and they're both canon yeah i don't think but I think the transport, uh, <laughs> if I remember correctly, I think the transport comes out of hyperspace like a second or two no, it was, early. No, it was going into hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. Right yeah, so, into the... So, oh. the, so the sequence yeah, is... is okay. The sequence is, is the Rebels are leaving, right? And uh, this is Rogue One. Uh, oh. The Rebels are leaving. They've successfully, uh, or, you know, they've successfully stolen the data plans from Scarif, and it's GTFO time, right? And the, it's the exec, it's not the executor. What was, uh, what was Vader's original Star Destroyer? Oh my God, Richard, you should know this. It's like the Vindicator or something. Uh, anyway, so Vader's, uh, Vader's Star Destroyer, uh, Hyperspace the, is in the executor, right as isn't it? The, the executor is his superstar. Oh, you're right. It's, yeah, his, it's it's devastator. It's, it, I can't. Okay, yeah, that that might be accurate. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't um, so so the so it's one of the uh, it's one of the is it a is it a transporter? Is it the? It's a transport. The blockade runner. No, it's so a the transport. transport. So as so the uh, the star destroyer hyperspace is in like as a surprise. As the rebels are escaping, so basically the timeline is: uh, Star Destroyer jumps in and starts firing, and the uh, transport hyperspaces in and runs into the Star Destroyer, just blows up. 
just okay. and, and that was and that was the and that hold was up. the result. Hold up, I sent you guys a link. Can you guys see it? <laughs> Where did you send this? I, I am guy. in. I am in. Hold up, hold up. Let's see here. Now we're gonna have to like share this on. How are we gonna get the audio of this thing in the cast? Well, yeah, like, there's we'll... not a whole lot of audio, but it it looks to me like he's not because it. You see the transport pull off at the last second to try to avoid it. That doesn't look like he's in, he's in hyperspace to me. All right, I'm watching. All right, so yeah, that one. That's not the one. This is a. Uh... Wait, where's the actual... I don't think that's the, that's the shot, though. That's the Can shot. That's right when Vader come, Vader's, comes out of hyperspace. Vader... Uh, let's see here. Hold up. Hold up. All right, I got, I got the shot. Here we are comparing... You know what? I buy that. So, I mean... The, like, I, we talked about this during the episode. I mean, there, there's stuff you can look past. I, I felt like that was... That was the, that's your like bridge too really... far? That That's <laughs> your bridge too far? <laughs> I, I mean, felt... look, look. I, I, will, I, will, I will happily admit that I just watched that scene, and I don't think that he was going into hyperspace yet. However... Again, is that that's it? Like, this movie's irredeemable. No, it's not irredeemable. I, but I'm just, I'm gonna have a hard time, like, just watch any space battle from now on. It's like, why don't you just go? And the thing is, like, I mean, you guys know more about Star Wars than I do. But from what I was explained, how it was explained to me is that's not how hyperspace works. I thought you entered like a wormhole sort of in like another dimension and basically transported to another location. Is that not how it worked in the old So, EU? So I'll tell you how um, I've experienced... <laughs> this is such a weird conversation. All right, so uh, the, uh, the things that I've noticed is um, in actual terms of watching things go into hyperspace and games and whatnot... It's uh, when you think about like the X-Wing games, it's about hyper accelerating and then entering said portal mm -hmm. like into hyperspace. So it's the acceleration that I suppose would be the thing that uh, did the damage. Right. It, it's not the they're not actually above light speed when they collide. Uh, so mm -hmm. so you have uh, to be at the correct distance for this to work. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I buy that. You have to then explain that problem for uh, future movies in the next movie, right? Like I buy that that's something that you might want to have to cover. If and so you had, if I were a GM of a role-playing game, my statement mm -hmm. would be that you have to have a cruiser or larger for this to matter. Otherwise, for, for me, I, I look at it like uh, you could do something like that in the next movie. I. For, all right, so let me let's, before I dive deep into this, Blair. Like, what was your level of that's ridiculous from a one to a ten, like a two, three, four, five, six? Like, we have to remake this movie. Uh, is the freaking call or whatever? 
No, I don't. I don't think they need to remake it. But I felt like, like we talked about this last time, but they basically like made Mark Hamill shut up. <laughs> they told him to stop talking that... because he was going off so much about how, and like that. I'm totally with him. Like that is not what a Jedi would do. They would not. He was like so whiny and just like didn't care and was like, nah. I'm over it. He, like, was so, like, apathetic. Like, that's not what a Jedi is all about. That's what all of them did. All of them. That's that's the prequel trilogy right there. That's what Obi-Wan was in the original trilogy. Every single Jedi uh, did this. What's going on? They they went into exile, but then when the protege or whatever came to them, then they were willing to help. They were waiting for the moment. <laughs> Hamill was just like... Hey. Yoda wasn't willing. He had to be talked into it by Obi-Wan. He was ta- by Obi-Wan. Okay. By Obi-Wan, he he's ta- not ready. He was talked into it eventually. And he's still... So was Luke. Was Luke. They- <laughs> eh, sort of. By Yoda. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, it's 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 like uh, it's it's like a a, a poem. It rhymes. No. Uh, all right. So um, I uh, what was I going to talk about? I don't know if I want to dive into that or or the. Okay. So I think that I think that people who prioritize Star Wars the setting and Star Wars the IP over Star Wars, like the movie or like our art are, I think that's how you tell if you like the movie or not, right? Because, you know, despite the fact that I love Star Wars the setting and I have a lot of knowledge about it, um, to me, I think if you're making the movie and you can get the shot after, you can get that cool shot after the hyperspace, uh, you know, like after the hold maneuver, right? I think that that looked really, really cool. And I don't, I, yeah, exactly. I think so too. Uh, I think the decision to doing it silent was really interesting. And I think that that matters to me more now than whether or not it made sense in the setting. Like, I just don't care. And that being said, that's where our opinion starts to come in for what we want out of the movie and that's where, like, I have a lot of... I try and have empathy with people who say they don't didn't like that movie. Uh, only because, you know, that's an opinion. Now, when you have, you know, reasons why you didn't like them and you can discuss them, I think that, you know, that stuff can be discussed. But if you don't like the movie, it's not my job to, like, convince you otherwise. And I think that goes, like, to, the, to like, you know, the movie was terrible. Um, to... Uh, what was I going to say? So, Blair, you talked about how Luke would or wouldn't... And I guess that goes to my point about, like, Luke, right? I think that what Luke would or wouldn't do based on stuff he did in previous movies, while it matters, I think what matters more is what his purpose is in the new movies, which is to, you know, be the grumpy old man that needs to be convinced that... Uh, Ray needs training, right? And so if that's, I, I don't, I, that's part of why I don't even agree with Luke being in the movie. I think you had to as a financial decision, 
but I think that it kind of sucks that Luke's story is has to be reopened, right? Like I would rather it be some other Jedi or something like that instead of Luke Skywalker, because you know it does kind of ruin the the for this Luke story, right? Luke theoretically you know, died a hero in our minds after Return of the Jedi was over and he lived happily ever after. But when you do a new movie and you do, you know, you do a new series, he has to be whatever part you're trying to tell with the story. And in that case, he was, you know, the the old wizard that teaches the young farmhand and whatever. I don't remember. What is that? Boy, I'm like a thousand smart things but only like 75 complete on any of them what was the it's like the the story that like the base parable that everybody knows like like the same like tropes like uh, across civilizations etc like what is that story called do you guys know what i'm talking about am i just rambling i think you're just rambling <laughs> I don't okay, know. <laughs> okay. So there is like a there is like a base parable. People are gonna know what I'm talking about. Like one person's like, I know exactly what you're talking about, bro. Uh, there's like a base parable uh, that is uh, effectively that a young man uh, of of simple means meets a wizard and he's got a core crux of is he going to do to show some bigger world. And uh, there's a core crux of, is that person going to join the bigger world? And then they do, and... Well, that's just the hero's they... journey. Yeah, the hero's journey. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. Thank you. Ugh. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like 75% to everything. So, yeah, so the, so Luke becomes... Luke's no longer the hero in the hero's journey, and if you have to include him in that, he has to become that old wizard. And our thoughts about who Luke was have to uh, if you're going to use Luke in the story you have to use him for that for that purpose and it kind of sucks because he's no longer Luke Skywalker he's the old wizard, he's Obi-Wan and they want uh, because it's grizzled 2018, you know the, the old wizard has to have problems he has to have a drinking problem or Ultimately. some sort of thing Ultimately, if you're going to have episodes seven through nine, and they're going to be within the lifespan of the original heroes, in order to have such a trilogy, the heroes must have failed. Yeah, and and that sucks for the story of the originals, and I think that there's a point there. I, I thought they did a very good job at talking about that within episode eight. Uh, with the conversation between Luke and Yoda, when they were talking about uh, that 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 just because you fail, that doesn't invalidate who you are and what you've done. Uh, that yeah. that we need to stop assuming that heroes are eternal heroes that can never do any wrong. Uh, that mm-hmm. that people change, people fail. And people don't always live up to what we want them to be. I mm-hmm. I love the hero's journey, but it's it's not a law. And in real life, we often see times when our heroes don't live up to what they should. Uh, well, I mean, also though, Ray is the hero in the correct. hero's journey now. Yes, 
it's I I thought that Luke was fine in episode eight. Yes, he failed. Mm-hmm. He failed, and then he did what all Jedi do, which is run away and hide from your all your problems. Um, that's exactly what Jedi do. That's what all of them have done. That's that's entirely in character, especially for Luke, who he's never been wrong. He's never he's never faced the enemy where the enemy was him. And and when he well, theoretic theoretically, he did that in the. I mean, he did that in the third movie, and right in Return of the Jedi, he overcame himself and his own you know, anger issues or I don't know, like I, I, here's the thing. I agree with you. I'm just, I'm trying to play bit devil's advocate as all the, what he overcame there was a different, uh, he, in, in episodes five and six, uh, the training on Dagobah and then the final climax with, with Palpatine and Vader on the Death Star 2, what he was conquering there was uh, the seduction of the dark side. He was conquering his anger. He was conquering those darker impulses of himself. But they don't go away forever. What he never struggled against was until... Kylo, when he created Kylo, was what do you do if you do make a major mistake? He he made a, a major mistake. It cost lives. It cost him everything that he held dear. And so his response was to do what both of his mentors did. Run away and hide. So, I okay. So Blair, I'm gonna let you take this because you know I've got I've got a devil's advocate version of this, but I imagine you've got some sort of opinions here. Well, God, you know I've just come to understand that it's the series. What the franchise is is not what it was when I fell in love with it. It was like the division of a young director, where now it's owned by this multi-billion dollar conglomerate that is just churning these things out year after year after year so i just it's not it's never going to be the same and i've i've come to terms with that i uh go ahead mark sorry i i just no 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 go ahead i, I wanted to, to jump in uh with an observation that uh uh solo accidentally killed boba fett twice once in episode six, and once with his box office performance. <laughs> Mark, that's I don't even I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> to that like, I just kind of want to slow clap you. Right? All right, fine. All right, fine. Sorry, just just something that sprang to mind. God, damn it. I mean, <laughs> I liked Rogue One, and I still haven't seen Solo. I guess. That's Solo's what we good. Really be Solo's, I, I thought Solo was good. Yeah, actually, I've, I've heard it's pretty good. I should I should have seen it by now already, because then we could talk about that. I but... like I left Solo thinking to myself, like, did I like that movie? 
But like that's kind of like that's kind of like how I left. I'm like, did I like that? I think there, I liked. That. There are definitely problems with with Solo, just mm-hmm. like there are with Episode Eight. But it's yeah. a fun movie. It it adds a lot to the universe. Uh, I liked it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So here's um, the big good. thing is okay we get okay we get the franchise okay sweet let's make a new trilogy hell yeah let's bring in a bunch of brilliant minds and uh half this out and then we'll go film it okay they bring in basically one guy abrams he makes the first one leaves a bunch of open plot holes just ways ways they can go not plot holes but just ways to see yeah there you go mark thank you and then says, okay, Ryan, do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and Ryan just basically is like, nah, I didn't really like any way to do it. So, nah, nah, we're not going to do any of that. And from all that I've understood, by the time they finish filming episode eight, they still had no idea what they're going to do with episode nine. Yeah. So, well, to be fair, they did that with the originals yeah, too. Exactly. But, but, this myth but. That- that George Lucas had one through nine entirely written out before. Uh, before well, to ever your point, though, Blair. Yeah, to your point, though, Blair. Like, it's not 1977 anymore. It's you know 20. You know, we we got these movies that would start in 2014, right? Does my math work? I don't remember. Uh, I think. But so, yeah. so so you're not making. Uh, a runaway, oh my god, this actually made money hit, you're making what has to be a hit, and to not plan that out may have been an oversight. Uh, I, I don't disagree with that point. I I don't think you have to have a, a vision of where the story's going to go. I don't think go. you have to necessarily, but it really felt like in the movie, they just kind of like, it was like back and forth between what yeah. Abrams wanted, or what Abrams kind of had it going, and then you just like got that feeling that Ryan was like, nope, there, nope, act there that, is, act that. I, I definitely, here's the thing, I don't necessarily disagree with the decisions that Ryan Johnson made as a director. I liked a bunch of them. But I will say that there is a little bit of that, right? Like where it felt like they set up all of these questions and I think that the, I think that how Ryan Johnson wanted to answer them and to me, was pretty successful at it. But I think that the way he wanted to answer that was all of those questions are dumb, and these are the real questions you should be asking so, about Star Wars. So, so I think I think something that I want to point out here is that that is a little um, disingenuous because it's like we've read two-thirds of a book and then have spent... Mm-hmm. Uh, months getting angry about all these loose threads the mm-hmm. yeah and that's the point of the third book right that 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 we still have the final third of this book uh the, to wrap all this together and to say that uh this was a confusing mess because we didn't tie everything together uh, that's that's the point of a trilogy uh, that yeah. i mean Cast your minds back to if you had never seen Six, if you'd never seen Jedi. Uh-huh. How confusing would the ending of Five be? All right, so 
All right, so the, my response to that is it's probably... Okay, so let, let me think about it. <laughs> Jedi, let me, right? Let me say because because like, I'm kind of okay because I would be kind of okay with it because you know like there's there's a little bit of hope. I mean, I guess okay. I'm buying your point. Um, yeah, I don't care I, about like all the loose threads like not being tied up immediately. It felt like, but it felt like everything that Abrams had kind of put forth all just got axed, and now. And did you guys notice how at the end of the movie, like everyone's like smiling and like hugging each other, like. All your friends are dead. Like at, at the end of the Empire, it was like a very like there was none of that. Like it was very so, tense. Like so. So as a they, combat veteran, good. I can tell you that that's accurate. Immediately afterwards, everybody's happy that you lived through it and you escaped. Morning comes after. Okay. <laughs> to me, uh, like. It's it's stuff like that that uh, I mean I, I buy as like you know like there's small stuff the, the thing about the thing about the last Jedi that I the most the most criticism I buy is there's some stuff that like seems like was just simply missed sure um, yeah like I there's a lot of stuff in the Canto bite that like wasn't great kind of like deep diving this I wasn't expecting this but here we go um, but. <laughs> Uh, I I think oh, I enjoy oh, Canto Bite, but I will agree that uh, it could have been more. That there were some mm-hmm. missed opportunities. That certain things don't come together as well as uh, the the director wanted. That mm-hmm. there are definitely missteps in the movie. What I'm arguing against is that the small mistakes and plot holes and things like that somehow invalidate this as a movie. Oh yeah. I totally agree with you that, especially considering that like a lot of the stuff that they went for, I thought was really moving about, you know, what it means to be a hero, that being a Jedi and it doesn't necessarily matter. It matters about what you do. Um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, there'll always be a Jedi cause there's always going to be someone trying to do the right thing. Uh, I, I liked a lot of that and I liked that they at least went for it. Um, any, so that's kind of where I was at. Um, and I want to point out that with, with the extremely upsetting news about, uh, Kelly Marie Tran being bullied off of the internet by people that have been super entitled. I loved Rose. She did an amazing job as an actor, and the character is amazing. Uh, that that she's exactly what we needed in Star Wars. All right, so I think that to your first point that there is sort of like a Venn diagram of people that didn't like uh, the Last Jedi and probably. Uh, viciously mocked and like were a cruel to her on social media and that there's connections there and it's probably a little bit stronger than people are comfortable mm-hmm. with but uh that care and to your point to that character there are parts of that character that i didn't necessarily love like um that's fair i i didn't love the uh the, the I guess like that 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 now like 
Finn and her in love or something like that. I, like, I, you know, to be fair, like, I guess I kind of do buy a crush after the time she's been with him. And I guess she considered him a hero. But, like, I'm trying to sell it. But I didn't necessarily... That didn't... That I, I'm, reaction didn't land with I'm me. still not convinced uh, they're getting together. Yeah, yeah, maybe she's just got a crush I'm, on him or something. I'm really, really hoping that Finn and Poe end up together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm into Oscar Isaac loving everyone, for the record, right? Right. Like, I want him to equal... I, I think everyone should be allowed to love Oscar Isaac. Yes. Um, <laughs> and receive love in return. Um, but... Uh, I, I did okay, so I didn't necessarily love Rose's character, um, and I buy that criticism. I don't love that criticism of that character's choice was brought to the actor. I think that's a tale as old as time, and it's a disgusting tale um, every time. But I mean, I didn't necessarily love her character. I think that there are points there, though, like that like, she was useful, and I'm happy that she's going to be there in the next you know, in the next series, because they can bring that character back, and I think she's an important character. I just think that she was maybe a little misused. Like, and, and I, and I love, I love that movie, but I, like, I think that there's, like, a point of you can criticize the movie. One of the big criticisms... But, but not be a dick about it, and I yeah. think that there's a lot of people being a dick about it. Like, and I think, no, I mean, the movie can be great, and there can be problems with it. What if... You know, there's problems with the freaking... Every good movie. One of my biggest criticisms of the movie is that if you look at it, the Finn and Rose arc is one of the most powerful in the movie because it's it's Rose showing Finn what to care to about, care cause, about right? the cause, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that. The, the criticism I have is that you have to think about it. That you have to sit down and, and realize what's going on there. That what, what I'm not asking for is hand-holding, but what they needed to do was spend just a little bit more time on that development. Or done it more efficiently right, or something. Yeah. They, that, that, didn't fully, like, that, that didn't fully land correct. Um, on first viewing and it took a little bit to like process. Like I get that that's what it is, but I don't think it landed a hundred percent. And that's a fair criticism. Anyways, but hold on. Um, Mark, go ahead, Blair. You say that her whole thing was to try to convince him to be about the cause. No, when... no, no, not that's not. Her I think motivation. That, that was the point of the that story. The I think that's the point of the story, story is Finn's interactions with Rose show him. Because his motivations at the start of eight are all about very Ray. specific connections. His yeah. connection to Ray, primarily. He wants to protect Ray. He wants to to get her out. He wants her safe. Yeah, he's like he's already looking to like get an escape pod and leave his, the rebels at the start. His arc is about learning that the cause is worth more and to, to expand the horizon of people he cares about from those he knows personally to the bigger picture. That's his journey. And that's a powerful one. Mm-hmm. 
it's not yeah, Rose setting it's out. Yeah, well. it's not Rose setting out to uh-huh. do this. It's as a story writer, the purpose of her character is to help Finn on this arc, as well as to be basically a insert for all of the fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I buy that. Um. Anyway, so. I don't know. We, we just talked about Last Jedi for a billion years. Uh, but um, I think that that's interesting. I, I always like talking about And that's uh, why medium bases are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, left turn. All right. So let's... Uh, Let's 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 move. Uh, let's, I'm gonna do a bad transition. Uh, Blair, are you drunk enough to talk about World War Two? Man, we're really going off the rails on this one, boys. Dude, <laughs> it's like it is like if if, if this if if the I only guess, thing yeah. I was gonna say. If, the, we, okay, if we so, went this far without talking about X Wing, I guess we might as well just go all the way. Yeah. All right. So so for anyone who's listening to this portion, we do have a contest. We will give you a free copy of your expansion of choice if you send us your best uh your best painted ship of one of the new ships so if you bought one of the new ones and you painted it up your best paint job send it to us we will display it on facebook and all over the internets and we will give you an a uh one of the new expansions of your choice what would you say we'll uh, go from there so wave 12 forward wave 13 forward I was going to say 14. Honest to God, if you bought a Wave 14 ship, so, if you got so a U-Wing or an X-Wing. Yo, no, no. If you did a U-Wing or an X-Wing, if you repainted one, like, this stuff's time-stamped, right? Um, <laughs> you know, like, we can, we can, we are detectives, we'll find out. Like, you know, we're not exactly We're not going to put that much effort but... into this. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, I'll I'll look on Reddit. Like, I'll do a Google search to see if that was uploaded. Like, I will do a reverse Google search. And if you fool Google, you'll fool me. So fine. Well, you can just have but someone if... just write their name on a piece of paper under it in the picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you the the Reddit verification. Write your name down or something. We'll believe you probably. Anyway, so yeah, if it's one of the uh, if it's a. If it's a paint of a, a new paint job for one of the ships in the new wave, uh, the best one by our vote, which frankly um, is whatever we're feeling like that day, we'll get a uh, ex- uh, one of the wave fourteen, wave zero uh, in Mark's terms of their choice. So there you go, you get something for paying attention to us, uh, Blair. I've been so I don't I don't know how to tease this right. So you've been wanting to talk about. World War Two, and I think specifically one country in World War Two. I don't remember when you first brought this up, but we kept going. Yeah, we'll we'll do that sometime, and never did. So, uh, what is it that you wanted to talk about, and how long have we been talking about doing this? As long as we've uh, been complaining about X Wing and how we don't want to play it anymore. So, so yeah, so. <laughs> People, we've definitely been struggling for content lately. I think anyone that listens, know that's no surprise. Yeah, uh, the whole X-Wing world is, to be fair, too. Yeah. So, uh, and thusly, I, as well myself, have not really been listening to any other X-Wing podcasts, which I uh, normally do. So, to fill the void, I start listening to what is called a History of World War II podcast. And I would 
Is that the one that does like a week to week breakdown of what happened in the war? It, it's not necessarily week to week. He basically goes through the whole no, thing. That's, war, that's, that's World, World War, War One. I. That's yeah, I know. Okay, the so great my war. That's a great YouTube yeah. channel, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, the guy that did this basically. Oh, let me get his. So I gotta get his name. I gotta give him a plug. Ray Harris Jr. So he he was a history grad, and he basically got tired of the fact that there was never a World War II podcast. He kept waiting, he kept waiting, he kept waiting. There was never one. Finally, said, "Screw it, I'm just going to do it myself." And it is just absolutely incredible. He's yeah, he starts like literally from the very beginning. And he goes through, but then he also takes breaks and does, like, biographies of important people. Like, uh, obviously, Hitler, Mussolini, Mao. And right now, he's on Churchill. And uh, you can tell he's definitely got some bias, biases for Churchill. He's probably his favorite uh, historical person who was involved Church- in and around the war. Churchill is a very... Uh, uh, is a very difficult character to talk about because... Mm-hmm. He did so many great, amazing things, and he did so many terrible things, and he held so many great opinions and terrible. He's he's a very interesting figure uh, from the historical standpoint. My favorite little bit of of Churchill is that this was back in the era where everybody smoked, even in especially in in politics. He had a trick where he would take like a, a pen and stick it through the the center of his cigar and when you do that if you're careful the ash won't fall off of the cigar so as he's talking the cigar is burning down more and more and the ash is getting longer and longer as an opponent would stare at the ash waiting for it to fall and would get distracted from what churchill was talking about to give him an edge in negotiations. <laughs> That's pretty That's good. Funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I just absolutely incredible. Could literally spend hours and hours talking, talking about everything. And I mean, if you know nothing about the war, you could literally just episode one go, and you would know more than almost all your peers it's he just does a tremendous in-depth job but keeps interesting he does a good job of telling the broad perspective but then he also mixes in uh stories from the grunts and such on the ground and uh that's sort of what i want to talk about today so there's uh like i said could talk about the whole thing but i think uh the battle of britain is a really interesting piece it's sort of relevant to uh what we do on this podcast so i think that would be an all right thing to talk about so they sure. go give a quick synopsis of the war in europe basically uh hitler is claiming all these small territories like austria and czechoslovakia and england and france are really hesitant to go to war world war one is super devastating they don't want to do it but finally they have to put their foot down they say okay hitler if you if you invade poland it's on and uh, Hitler calls their bluff, he invades Poland, and they declare war on on Germany. And Poland is a, at that time, didn't have near the industry that Germany did. They don't have near as modern an army, and 
They're not really able to stand well, up. Well, to... well, I'm not going to uh, argue there. The the problem with Poland was not their military. They actually had a very good military at the time. It's that the it was basically a surprise attack by both Germany and the Soviet Union at once. So they didn't have time to organize their military. And even if they did, they would have to be facing two superpowers on two fronts. And because of the, the revolutionary lightning war tactics, they weren't able to put up a strong defense in time before they were overrun. When, when the Polish troops were in combat, they acquitted themselves very well, very brave, very capable troops uh, with decent equipment. So I'll, I will say that the Poles get a much worse rap than they deserve. Because it's honestly just surprise and speed. Well, they, yeah, they absolutely fought bravely. Uh, I don't think it was so much, it wasn't a whole lot of surprise. Like, Hitler would famously go on speech after speech after speech about, oh, there's, there's German citizens in your country, you're mistreating them. That was how he justified these wars. Yeah. And there was a city called Danzig that was had been split off from Germany after the Treaty of Versailles and had been awarded to Poland. And that's what Hitler was claiming. And so the Poles knew that it was coming and uh the soviet union actually didn't invade poland until weeks into the battle agreed because but threatened you can't ignore that yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and yeah even if poland had an army as modern as germany yeah they were simply just outnumbered it, it, it just wasn't going to happen it was nothing against the troops not being brave or any of that um so they fall relatively quickly in about six weeks and so fast forward about eight months and it, Hitler has his troops stationed on the French and Dutch border. And the French and the British, on the other hand, totally had the troops and the technology and the industry to be able to uh, stand up to the German Empire. But through, uh, like Mark said, the, the Blitzkrieg tactics that had been developed by the Wehrmacht was something that the Allies really had, their military theory hadn't really caught up to that, and they really didn't understand uh, that that was the way that tanks allowed, tanks and planes allowed war to be fought. So on paper, it was a really even match. Like, if you look at historically the numbers in terms of like planes, men, tanks, guns, down the line, it's about as close as really it could have been in like a real a real life war. Usually it's wars are super one-sided. Uh, and the German victory is so complete. I mean, this would be the equivalent of like, if you had like a tie swarm go against like big walks of dogs and you get like 100 owed. Like it was a complete and total defeat. Like uh, after the battle is over, uh, Hitler is so confident that England is then going to surrender, that he doesn't even begin plans for Operation Sea Lion, the invasion of England, for like two months until after the battle is over. Uh, and when the French leadership is like deciding what they're gonna do, they're, they, they know they have two choices after Paris falls. They know they can either flee to Africa and fight on, or they can surrender now and hope for leniency. 
and the decision is made to surrender because they think there's no way England's staying in the fight. They're like, England's lost all their tanks, all their guns, everything. They're trapped at Dunkirk. They're probably going to get overrun. We might as well just sue for peace and hope Germany takes it easy on us. So, uh, I can't remember exactly when Churchill took over. It was somewhere between the Battle for Poland and the Battle for France, sometime in there. But immediately, he is really tested. And the home, a lot of people back home want to sue for peace. Germany's terms were incredibly generous. They said, you can keep your whole empire. Uh, Egypt, India, Burma, you can keep all of it. We don't, we just don't want to have to fight you anymore. That's it. But Churchill said, no, we know you're not going to stop. We know you're going to keep trying to get more territory. So they, they never surrendered. And so after it goes, this peace goes for about, not a peace, but basically there's no fighting because France has conquered. And after about three months or so, uh, the Luftwaffe starts sending small sorties across the channel. Mainly, they're just bombing uh, shipping and ports, and they're basically just kind of feeling out the RAF's defenses and how they're going to respond. And this goes on for about two months, where they're just sending over these small sorties just to try to get a feel for the RAF. And after these first two months, then they begin to bring the full weight of the Luftwaffe down on them and start sending over these massive raids of hundreds of ships at a, at, at a time and the RAF uh, is as modern as the Luftwaffe they have fighters that can hang with them but they're drastically outnumbered in terms of manpower so uh, I think the it was about a three to one in uh, pilots and air crew that uh, England and the rest of the allied pilots were up against so when yeah, I say, but, but England could refuel, though, right? It's not. So, yeah. Well, that's one aspect. Not necessarily that they can refuel. It's that they don't have to spend the fuel to get over the channel. Mm -hmm. So they have so, much... Yeah, go ahead. So... Uh, the turnaround's faster, too. Yeah. So uh, the German military force, like like Mark said again, is it's built for Blitzkrieg, which is fast, go, 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 lightning warfare. It's not meant for these long raids like the Allies eventually did to the Germans later in the war, where they send these B-17 bombers over all the way to Berlin. So, yeah, the BF-109s could only... only had enough fuel for about 15 minutes of fight... of, uh... fighting over England. It... after they have to take off and form up and go across the channel, they really weren't meant to, uh... For that kind of war so but the big thing for so this goes on so there's the first two months yeah these small sorties and then we have about six weeks where it's these massive raids and the RAF is really getting pushed to the brink their pilots are exhausted they're losing a lot of them and uh Hugh da Lord Hugh Downing who is in charge of fighter command uh, his he's still got enough fighters but he's starting to uh run low on pilots and so there were a number of uh, fighter pilots from other countries who had come to fight for England. And uh, uh, one of those countries, obviously, was Poland. A, a number of Polish soldiers were able to escape before the country capitulated. And one of them was the Polish 303 Squadron. So uh, this is a very... 
these guys were a veteran group. They had been uh, in the Polish Air Force for a number of years. Uh, they had a lot of experience, but when they get to England, they're unable to uh, basically be used in the battle. And the reason was the uh, defense network that Hugh Downing had set up was based off of radar and um, observers. And so basically they would they would see the Germans coming. They would radio to uh, the respective uh, airfields that, hey, there's a group heading your way. You should probably form up. And then when they would form up, if the radar and the observers would notice these groups changing their vector, then they could radio to the squadrons in the air to re redirect to a different location. Well, obviously, if you don't speak English, you can't do that, right? So when they first get there, they're only relegated to training missions, and they're flying in these uh, outdated Blemens that uh, get bounced pretty quickly when the English try to use them and uh, are only used for training. So understand, again, the battle's going on for months. These Poles are super eager to get into the fight. Their country's been captured. They really don't like the Germans, but they're just being told to train. So one day, they're up in these Blemens, and they're doing a training mission escorting these English bombers. And one of them spots a group of what they think are Dorniers, which are uh, German bombers. It, it later turns out uh, they were BF-110s. And he asks his commander if they can engage him. His commander says, no, do not engage. Our job now is to escort the English bombers back home. Well, uh, one of them, a flight officer, sorry if I budged this, Ludwig Pezziewicz. Oh, God, that's so bad. <laughs> I know I got that wrong, but he, uh, he basically says, F that, I'm going after them. And by himself... And again, this inferior plane and gets behind this group and engages them, and not only engages them, manages to shoot one down. So this is like this is seriously the equivalent of like an academy going after like Suntor and Kylo and somehow managing to get a kill. It's absolutely incredible. It's really a testament to how talented these guys were. Well, when they get back, his commander is really tempted to Give him a tongue, the biggest tongue lashing he ever has, but he decides to let a cooler hey, head don't prevail. Don't you kick that guy out? Right? <laughs> well, he decides to let a cooler head prevail because he, again, knows how eager it, he's just eager to get into the fight and instead asks his superior once more for the 303 squadron to be activated. And he gets his response in the morning that yes, they will indeed be activated. So this is more than halfway into what the battle would end up encompassing. It, it it went on for about five months or so where they're actively fighting. Then it turned into just night raids by the Germans. So they come in halfway, and they're relegated to flying Hawker Hurricanes, which are were a good fighter, but they weren't the English's best. The best was the Supermarine Spitfire. It was faster, it turned sharper, uh... That is what they gave to most of their aces. So they're relegated to Hurricanes. They only come in about halfway through. Despite all of that, they are able to finish with the fourth highest kill count of all the English fighter squadrons in the battle. And they were the first in terms of fighters that flew Hawkers. So even though they only came in halfway, they outkilled all the other Hawker squadrons. Absolutely incredible. There was...
one story where uh, one Polish fighter had chased his, he was tailing a 109, and he had chased him down to, to where they're at treetop level. And as he's chasing him, he runs out of ammo. And instead of breaking off and going home like most guys will, he instead accelerates and gets right over the top of the German fighter. Well, the German panics, doesn't know what to do, ends up crashing into a tree, and the guys... <laughs> this is how talented these guys were. He scared them to death. Right? So, uh, and, uh, the European uh, X-Men community, I think, gets a get some grief from time to time, particularly the Polish, because they fly, they have kind of a different and demur diverse method over there. But uh, I just wanted to talk about that because I just found, that story in particular, I just uh, thought was incredible. So yeah, it, so, you, so you're saying to like, don't disregard the no, Polish? No, don't F with the Poles <laughs> when it comes to air combat, man. <laughs> or any combat, just don't, don't screw with the Poles. <laughs> the... What were you gonna say there, Mark? Well, I was debating on which way to go. The one of my favorite stories is actually about they're starting to get a little bit more press, but a Soviet air wing, the 588th, although they had several different uh, names, uh, which were the Night Witches. This was part of the World War II Soviet program of adding women into combat uh, in order to deal with their crushing manpower losses. I was going to say, they had a lot of manpower issues, right? uh, Yeah, yeah. The, they, they lost millions and millions of men in their, their most fertile uh, territory. and Not a good time was had. Uh, so they... they were getting every aircraft they could into the sky and part of that initiative was uh, the, these all-female regiments uh, in this case uh, a wing of bombers the and of course they were not given the state-of-the-art equipment these were old uh, uh, they were given ancient biplanes that were bombers, but could only carry like six bombs, maybe. Uh, and they quickly became one of the most effective bombing squadrons in history. Uh, the, they were, uh, what they would do was, these are loud biplanes that have to fly close to the ground. So they would always fly at night. And before they reached the target, they would cut their engines so all you would hear is the wind on the their their wings that had this really eerie sound, which gave them the 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 nickname the Night Witches. And they would have a drop the the bombs sometimes by hand, uh, because the the release mechanisms were old and didn't always work. And because they had a capacity of six bombs, they would have to run multiple ray uh, multiple combat missions each night uh, it, they were an incredibly effective they, they actually used the the actual the ancientness of their planes to their advantage because 
their maximum speed was less than the stall speed of the German fighters. <laughs> so it was very hard for the German fighters to shoot them down because they were moving And they too could fly fast. really near the ground, too. Right. Yeah. And they would cut their engines so they're hard to detect at night. It, it, it was... They... Uh, what was it? They they ran some ludicrous number of missions, um, but th- this is the regiment on the whole through. I'm looking at yeah the five mark, 20, 23,672 sorties total. That's insane. That's how, what? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's a real number. Yes, like I'm expecting in the hundreds. Like oh, good job. And like what? That, that <laughs> at their peak they had like sixty people. That yeah. were pilots. <laughs> one awesome. through 1,008 sorties in the war. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I don't know where we go from here other than I just learned a lot of stuff about World War II. Um, and I feel smarter. The Honestly, right? what the tactic they were using you can apply to x-wing which is okay the stop maneuver when your opponent overshoots you <laughs> it is really good uh, and something there is something to be said about understanding that you know if something that's pursuing you only has twos and above mm-hmm. and you can do ones you can you know self bump and stuff yeah like uh anyways uh yeah so there there is something to be learned from that and that sort of tactics and also that stuff's just frankly fascinating um blair all i all i know now is i want to listen to you talk about world war ii all the time so i learned that anyways um we're at about an hour and 18 minutes so i'm thinking I mean, is there anything else we want to cover? Any shout-outs we want to do? Or we should uh, wrap a bow on this thing. I think we can wrap it. I mean, we don't have a lot to talk about until 2.0 drops out. Oh, bring us 2.0, please. I'm ready. Can't wait I'm for ready. Gen Con. Take, take my money now. Like, what's sad is, like, I would give them more money now. Just so I could start playing with this nonsense. Um, uh, This is going to be out probably after but there is a system open in seattle this weekend and we had some requests for video of me from fresno uh they got deleted because they didn't upload it to twitch so dion will be streaming it so i th- i think he exports his videos to youtube ricky yeah he at least he at least keeps copies of them i'm pretty sure okay so if you're looking for any of that they should have that so I thought I had another shout out, but I can't remember what it was. So, <laughs> well, shout uh, out to Dion for being amazing. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's wrap a bow on this thing. So, all in it. Thanks for listening to, uh, I guess, uh, us doing random stuff. Uh, uh for <laughs> for Mark Fletcher, better known as Sable Griffin, and for Player Bunky, better known as Scruffy. And White. Uh, thank you, Galactic Colonet, and good hunting. <laughs>